You know, I'm glad for new Christians, and uh, and I'm glad that we've had a chance to have Daryl over to the house, and, and uh, he's here again tonight. Uh, he has uh, quite a ways to come. Uh, he lives all the way out almost to Geneva, <laughs> and he has no car and no way of getting in, and so it makes it kind of tough. But we uh, <clears throat> like to get in some good basic teaching, and uh, one of the uh, things that I want to talk about is prayer. This little poem I found, it says, I know not by the method rare, by this I know God answers prayer. I know not when he sends his word that tells us fervent prayer is heard. I know it comes soon or late, therefore we need to pray and wait. I know not if the blessed blessing sought will come in just the guise I thought. I leave my prayer with him alone, whose will is wiser than my own. And uh, I believe that one of the things that we can learn very early in Christian life, the thing that will carry us through, is we need to learn to pray. It's funny, we teach young converts almost everything but a fervent prayer life. Prayer can change situations. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not faint. And if you have the life of prayer, it'll see you through those tough and hard times which are bound to come. There's a story about a there were three Scottish privates and a corporal who were engaged in battle in Belgium, Belgium uh, just before the fall of Dunkirk and taking refuge in a, in a loft in an empty house. They waited for what seemed to be uh, certain death. And as they waited, they heard outside the building, they heard uh, looting and killing and fires being started. Uh, they heard, it, they heard uh, bullets ricocheting, doors being smashed down. And the corporal turned to his men and he said, Lads, it's time for the church to pray. Let us have a wee bit of service here. It may be our last. And the soldiers looked at him kind of questioning, but they took their rifles and they leaned them in a corner. And they joined hands, and the corporal pulled out a little prayer book. And you could tell that he wasn't all that versed in doing it as he led him through a, a prayer. And uh, as the men knelt around him and he stood with the Bible in his hands praying, a soldier was heard a heavy hand upon the door and a German soldier entered into the room, but they 
corporal never hesitated or stopped. He continued to pray. And he prayed, God, give us the courage to face whatever we have to face and that we would uh, be men in whatever comes toward us, that we would be Christians. And uh, then he began to pray the Lord's Prayer. And as he began to recite the Lord's Prayer and the men joined with him in reciting the Lord's, Lord's Prayer, they heard the click of, of uh, heels come together and they knew that their enemy had come to attention. And uh, they continued to pray and, and then they heard some soft steps toward the door and the door closed very lightly behind him and then he was gone. And uh, they spent the night in that loft and the next day they came out, there was no one around and they made a wide circle and made it back to their, uh, their own British lines. Prayer had been answered. The enemy was at the door. And many times the enemy is a, of our soul is at our door. And we give up. We give up too easy. We need to pray. And we need to pray uh, as Jesus taught us and as he showed us and uh, as he encourages us, and we find over in Luke 18, chapter 9, we find a prayer there of a sinner in distress. Have you ever been in real distress? This man was in real distress. Verse 10, chapter 18, verse 10, it says, Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I have tithed of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as rise his, raise his eyes towards heaven, but he beat on his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be abased, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. This was a humble prayer. It was a simple prayer. In fact, it didn't uh, have a lot of theology to it. There was only seven words, so it wasn't a real long prayer. But Jesus said this prayer was heard. I can think of a shorter prayer when uh, Peter was walking on the water and he began to sink, he just hollered for help. <laughs> you don't have to have long prayers, but you do have to have sincere prayers. It's necessary that the prayer that you pray is from your heart. 
and no one prays quite like they pray when they're in distress. All of a sudden, all of these and the thous and, and uh, the formulation of the prayer doesn't seem to matter too much. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Mercy, Lord. Help me, Lord. Those are the kind of prayers that are heard. I think Mike Warkey said that he, uh, he, was, he was one of those that prayed those these and thou prayers. And, and uh, he said when he got in trouble, all of a sudden he, he just hit his knees and, knees and said, Help! <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe God hears those kind of prayers. Hallelujah. <laughs> we, we first of all got to realize that we're all saved by grace. We're saved by grace. There, there's none of us, if we got what we deserved, would be too pleased. Amen? Hallelujah. And so when you come to God, I don't believe you ought to come in saying, Hey, God, I deserve this. How come, God, after all I've done for you? Have you ever heard people that way, like, I don't understand it. I pay my tithes. I do all this, and God just doesn't hear my prayers because they think they deserve something. And I want to tell you, none of us get what we really deserve. But we do get the grace of God. And it's God's grace that we're not all destroyed. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Never come to God with a haughty feeling. Secondly, no one can pray quite like a person uh, the, or a saint that's in danger. If you go to Second Chronicles with me, please. Second Chronicles 20. Verse 12. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon uh, Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jehiel, the son of Mattathiah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude 
for the battle is not yours, but God's. Here was people in distress, and they didn't know what to do. But I want you to notice how they started their prayer. They said, Oh, our God. Our God. Did you get that? It's not someone else's God. Our God. Jesus said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He said that's the way we should start our prayers. Our Father. There has to be a relationship. You know, not everyone has that privilege to call God Father. But he becomes our Father. He, in fact, over in Matthew, he said, He that doeth the will of my Father is my brother and my sister. Amen? And so if we're doing the will of God, then we have a right to call him Father. If we're engaged in, in a relationship with him, then we can call him Father. And that's what they did. They called upon our God because they were his children. They were completely dependent upon the, God's mercy. They said, we have no might, verse 12. We have no might. Neither know we what to do. Have you ever been in that kind of a situation? You, you have no power. You don't know what to do. You're, you've got a dilemma. Uh, you're in distress, and you just have no idea what you're supposed to do. And here they, they just... Cry out for God's mercy. James 1.5 says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of, the Lord, uh, ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So if we need wisdom for a situation, we can ask for it. And I want you to note the answer that came here in verse 15. Here was a man of the tribe of Judah, and the Spirit of God comes upon him, and he begins to speak out what God said. God says, Fear not, be not dismayed. He says, The battle is not yours, but mine. Can you imagine here you've been praying? You're in distress. You don't know what to do like, like with the youth. We really, I, I'm at a loss. I've got a lot of ideas, but I want to do what God wants done. I want this thing to work. I want this thing, maybe even have uh, other churches in the district tailor theirs after our program when, 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 when they find out how well ours is working. Not because I want to be a show-off, but because I want to do what God wants done. And wouldn't it be nice to have someone and the Spirit of God come upon them and say, Thus saith the Lord, and begin to speak out like he did here. Be not dismayed, 
The battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Well, I believe that that is a word for us. This isn't my youth group, right? This is God's youth group. These are God's young people. This is God's church. And the battle is his. Hallelujah. So when you're in distress, you just remember whose who's battle it really is. Amen? All right. Next I want to talk for a minute about a servant in difficulty. Go to Nehemiah chapter 2. Now, for those young Christians, you start from Psalms and start going backwards. Psalms is in the middle of the Bible. You back up. The next one's Job. You back up, and you'll run into Nehemiah. It's just, it's just uh, prior to, to the Psalms. Okay? We want Nehemiah chapter 2. And here... In chapter 2, it says, It came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Xerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the uh, king. Now, I had never been sad in, the, in his presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. Then I became dreadfully afraid, and I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? You see, the enemy had attacked his city. The gates were burned. The place was in disarray. Uh, he, he, he had a burden on his heart because... His city, the city where God dwelt, was in shambles. Then the king said to me, What do you request? And I want you to know what he did next. He didn't say, Well, now, if you give me a million bucks, I'll just go over and get some laborers and take care of rebuilding the city. You know, that's man's way of doing things, right? We've all got our own way of doing things, our own ideas of how things ought to be done. But I want you to notice what he did next. Verse 4. What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Here he is standing there in front of the king... The king has asked him, what do you want? And he doesn't immediately answer. I can just see him standing there. His mouth is not opening. But inside, he's praying, God, what do I ask for? What is the thing that I should ask the king for? 
You know, you can pray without ever opening your mouth. You can be on a crowded bus and be praying and no one else will ever even know it. You can pray in the schoolrooms, even though they say there's no prayer in school. And you can be praying. Amen? And this man, he was standing in front of the king. The king had asked him a question, but I want you to know he went to God first, not secondly. Many times we open our mouth, insert foot, right? Take out foot, insert other foot. But not Nehemiah. He went to God first. Then when he spoke, the reason his request was answered is because he was asking in the will of God. Amen? So he asks, and I want you to notice verse 8. A letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates and the citadel, which uh, pertain to the temple for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. See, the, the Spirit of God was upon this servant of God. And so when he spoke, the king responded because he was under the Spirit. Amen? Makes all the difference in the world when you're dealing with someone. God can give you favor with people. Did you know that? Amen. Praise God. And last of all, I want to talk about a prayer of a suffering uh, uh, prayer of a suffering saint in despair or saints in despair over in Revelation chapter 6 chapter 6 verse 9 When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony that they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? How long? How long is God going to allow abortion to go on in this nation? How long, Lord? How long? How long are you going to allow this war to go on over in the Gulf? How long are you going to allow prayer to be kept out of the schools? How long are you going to allow immorality to flourish in the United States? 
Hurrah, Lord, before you avenge us as Christians instead of allowing us to be overrun. Hurrah, Lord! This could have been a lonely cry. It could have been a cry for hope. It was a cry for judgment and avengement. Look with me to Psalm 13. We have the same question being asked here by the psalmist. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed against them. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am removed. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. How long? How long? Well, I think that there's some things we need to be coming to the Lord just like those saints that I've just read here and ask God, how long? How long before we can see progress taking effect in this town and souls getting saved? How long before you'll send revival upon this nation? How long, Lord, are you going to allow people to be slain in the streets? How long are you going to allow young people to roam with uh, seemingly no, uh, just pointlessly, they, they feel that there's no, no rights or wrongs in life? I saw them on in 700 Club the other night out in California, and they were saying, there is no absolutes. Whatever's right in your own eyes. Well, there is rights and wrongs. And God, how long before you're going to bring this nation back under God? How long before we're going to see righteousness reign and rule? How long do we have to put up with this? And I think that it's time we get down on our knees and we ask God, How long, Lord, how long? Aren't you tired of all the garbage that goes on? Aren't you tired of the fact that they, they have X-rated movies on television and garbage language? You can't even turn on a television set? Aren't you tired of young girls that, that go up and down the streets using garbage language worse than most sailors and, and soldiers used in, uh, in uh, times past? 
Aren't you tired of the fact that there, there's teenage suicides and that there's uh, just seemingly so many things going on in our nation? Demonstrations in the streets, demonstrating against our country, burning our flags, draping our flags upside down, wiping them in the dirt, running them over automobiles and so on. Aren't you tired of it? God, hold on! How long do we have to put up with this? God avenges. God, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we need revival. We need it so badly. God, this nation is no longer a nation under God. And that's why we're, we're experiencing all these difficulties. But Lord, we know that the battle is not ours, but yours. Lord, we're not to be dismayed. We're not to be discouraged. We're not to be downtrodden. But God, we do cry out to you tonight because our hearts are heavy when 1.8 million babies are slaughtered annually. When people are dying, teenagers without homes, without hope, God, how long? How long, Lord? Be merciful. Be merciful to this nation. Turn us around, O oh Lord. Turn us around. Bring us to repentance, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. We ask it in his name. That name that's above every name. Father, because we ask in the name of Jesus, we know we're going to receive. We know it's only a matter of time. We will be victorious. We will exalt thee. For God, you are a merciful God. You're a loving God. You're an understanding God. Amen and amen.